good morning. We're, we're going to go ahead and get started while they're finishing up taking the offering today. I appreciate our church being one that's able to go with the flow, and so when things happen, we just move right along, and, and we pick it back up next week. But uh, um, I, I also need to uh, apologize. My voice is a little weak, so Frank may have to turn me up a little bit as the sermon goes on. It is t-ball season. So we've had a lot of trying to control chaos on a baseball field, and I've had to project outside across the baseball field, so my voice is suffering a little bit uh, this morning. But I got a wonderful compliment uh, last night. We were at our t-ball practice, and we had a great time. And after we got done, one of the moms came up, and she goes, you are really good at coaching t-ball. Thank you. I mean, I very much so appreciate that. And uh, uh, I got to make the joke that I always make uh, about that, is that if I could find a way to monetize coaching t-ball, that would be my dream job. I'm sorry, but that's what I would do. But we went and we have fun, and I like having fun with the kids, and and I got to point out uh, to her, you know, if if I could do that, I would, but it's, it's, it's not really me, you know, I've got four or five helpers on the field. My son uh, was there last night. Uh, he had the day off of baseball. My oldest daughter was there. My son's girlfriend was there. And there was two other boys uh, that are my son's age that it's the boys that I worked with from the time that they were in T-ball. And that they grew up and, and you know we played travel baseball together. And well, they played. I just kind of yelled at them a lot. But they played. And so I got to share with her that, that it's you, you are getting to benefit from all the mistakes I made on those guys, right? Isn't that how life works, how it's supposed to work? You do something and you're not very good at it, and then over time you begin to develop those skills and you get better at it and you get better at it, right? Until hopefully eventually at some point, I don't know if you'd ever call yourself a master at it, but you do get better than where you started from, right? It's funny watching a, 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 a little one try to learn to walk for the first time. They, they pull themselves up on the, on, on the couch and they're, they're, all, they're, they're all wobbly and they're unsure of themselves and they take, try to take one step and they face plant and you try not to laugh, right? If it's your first kid, you freak out. If it's your fourth kid, you laugh, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's just you learn, you grow, you find out over having a couple of kids that, that they're pretty resilient. But you know, over time they get up, and then finally that they take you know a steps along the side of the couch, and then maybe one day they turn and they take a step into nothing, and they don't fall. It's how we learn. It's how we grow. Right? I've told you before, and, and, and I hope it's okay that I, I say this again, that 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 there's a part of being a follower of Jesus that I've always struggled with. I've never really felt like I was good or adequate at prayer. In fact, why I, you know, I love to read the Bible and to see the principles that the Bible gives about how you can live your life better. I'm all about that. God's blessed my life in, numer- in so many ways because I try to follow Jesus because it just makes sense. But when it comes to prayer and having a prayer life and having uh, 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 you know, the things that, you know, we, that, that some church people say about others, you know, the prayer warriors and stuff like that, I've never really felt like that was me. It's always since it's, it's, it's been hard for me. But that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about prayer. 
And specifically, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And so if you brought a Bible with you this morning, you can open up to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to walk through this. And I want to walk through it because Jesus is going to tell us both how we ought to pray, but also how we shouldn't pray. And that is, that is uh, just as telling as, 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 as the other. And in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, here's what, here's what Jesus says. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you that they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they, for, excuse me, for the pagans, for they will think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your heavenly father knows what you need for before you ask him. See, Jesus' disciples are walking with him, and, 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 and they're, they're, they're walking from city to city and town to town, and he's preaching and he's healing people, and they're having lots of conversations. And, and at one point, they stop Jesus, and they go, look, we've noticed something. We've noticed that the way that you pray is different from the way the other religious leaders pray. Right? There was these groups of people called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that's who everybody else looked up to as what the example was like. Was. And so the disciples are going, we see some kind of a contrast that's here. We want to learn how to pray like you do. It seems like there's something that's maybe more substantial there. And so Jesus starts out and he says, look, I don't want you to pray as if you're trying to show off like, look how good I am. He goes, that's not what your Heavenly Father's about. But I also don't want you to pray and just keep praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, babbling like the pagans is how he, what he calls it. And whenever I read that, it reminds me of, of, of Gwynny. It's really fun to pray with my little two. If you don't know, we've got, uh, my wife and I have a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And we, when Caleb and Haley, the older two, were, were, were younger, we did a really good job of praying with them in the mornings. That was kind of our routine. They'd get in the car, and I think I've taught you guys the prayer that we prayed before. We'd, we would pray to God for strong minds, for thick skin, and for soft hearts. I thought that those were some, some, some traits that, that kids that were in elementary school, that it would be beneficial for them. And it was, it was, uh, my idea was to, to teach them to, to ask their God, their, their Heavenly Father, to help them become stronger internally, as well as as they're getting stronger and changing physically externally. But somewhere along the way, and I don't know exactly where, that, that kind of faded off. We've picked up the habit again with, with Gwynnie and Willow, and we've been, getting, we've been praying at night. And I don't know why I didn't think about it until her recently, but probably a year we've been praying with Gwynnie and Willow at night. And over the past couple of weeks, we've invited Caleb and Haley into that. Now, what's been really fun for me is, is Willow, she loves to pray for unicorns and butterflies and rainbows, and we love you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, and sparkles. We love sparkles in our house. Amen. And it's fun. She, bam. She knows what she wants. Unicorns, butterflies, rainbows, sparkles. Gwynny loves to stretch this thing out. It's bedtime. She's not wanting to, 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 to pray to God. 
She's not looking for something. Well, I take that back. She is looking for something to stay up as late as possible. And she will look around the room. And so she'll be praying. And it's funny because she'll pray for mommy and daddy and sissy and Willow. Sometimes she'll go, but not Caleb, which is hilarious. She'll pray for her friends at school, which is adorable. And then we'll get into, thank you for the curtains and our posters. And we'll pray for the windows and the bed sheets. I ain't making this up. If I didn't feel like it would be an invasion of her privacy, I would record this. We thank you for the refrigerator. We thank you for our cars. And so there was a while before we invited Caleb and Haley into this that uh, that eventually they would kind of, we would, got to wrap this up, honey. We got to go to bed. Jesus knows. You can keep praying in your head in bed, but we got to, we got other stuff to do. It's been fun for me as we've invited Caleb and Haley into this to kind of, to pray, but to kind of watch out of one eye Caleb and Haley's reaction. Because when Gwenny starts praying, I can see Caleb going, (sighs) (laughs) and I just let her go and go. But that's what I think of when I read this verse. He goes, don't pray like the pagans. Just keep babbling and babbling and babbling. Your heavenly father knows what you need before you pray. See, we pray more for our benefit and to help us work some things out internally than we do for our Heavenly Father's benefit. He knows what's breaking your heart. He knows why you're hurt and what's hurting you. He probably has a better idea of it than you do. But he wants you to pray to him and to talk through these things with him so he can help you begin to work these out and process them internally. He says, don't pray for show. Don't pray many words and babbling and going on and on and on. He goes, but this then is, this is how you should pray. What I think he's trying to communicate is this is a prayer that if you'll follow the example, not necessarily the words, but if you'll follow the example of what, how, what, what Jesus is about to teach them, you're going to pray a prayer that touches on your Heavenly Father's heart. You're just going to change your heart to become more like how your Heavenly Father want, looks at you, but also how he looks at the people that are around you. And as I always say, the people that you like, the people that you don't like, the people that see the world the same way that you do, the people that don't see the same world, the, the, see the world the same way that you do, it's going to help you be able to look at them the way that your heavenly Father looks at both you and them. And so he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right, we said it earlier. He says, I want you to pray and to say, Our Father. Now think about this. It, it, this would, in my mind, knowing what I know about, about the, 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 the early followers of Jesus, this is scandalous. This is Jesus going, look, your heavenly Father looks at you the same way that he looks at me. There's no difference. He says, our Father. Jesus is telling the disciples, you guys are in. You guys are a part of God's family. 
you're not looking at me going, God obviously loves you. No, 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 no. You have a heavenly father too who loves you just like he loves me. And I think he doesn't say it, but what I think is implied is, and that's how I want you who are in to look at those that you would probably consider to be out. They're in too. Our father who art in heaven. Jesus says, you have a heavenly father who loves you. Right? Over in the next chapter, he, you don't have to flip over there. I'm just going to read it. He says this in Matthew chapter 7. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He says, look, even though that you would classify yourselves as not like me, as not in necessarily, he goes, you're evil. He goes, even though that's how you would classify yourself, and you know how to give good gifts to your children, you have a heavenly father that loves to good, give good gifts to all of his children. And look at what he equates that with in the next line. He says, so in everything, do to others how what he would do to others what you would have them do to you. He said, your heavenly father loves to give good gifts by you doing to others as you would have them do to you. I got to go to, I'm all, I'm all amped up about T-Ball. I'm so excited about this thing right now. And I love to walk to the sporting goods store and see all the new stuff every year. So let's get started. And I was both amazed and appalled at something I walked across. See, Caleb, he, he, uh, he's 14, just ridiculously good at baseball, uh, all, considering the fact that neither me or his mom are good at sports at all. It was just, it's kind of, he's, it's, maybe it skips a generation. I don't know. But he saved up a bunch of money and he bought himself some expensive bats. And, and, and these, these, these are high-end bats. It's the same bats that the kids in college use. It's, 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 and it's, it's a little bit ridiculous to me how much they cost. They go for $400 plus. And as I was walking, and, and I didn't, I, I paid for half of one of them. He's paid for the rest of this. So bravo to him. As I was walking through Academy of Sports, I was walking through, and they have the same bats, these great big bats that the big kids use, they have them now in t-ball size. And I could not believe it. They've got what his bat is, the goods, is what it's called, 26 inches, drop 12 and a half, that means it's 13 and a half ounces, it's light, it looks just like the big one that Bubby swings, for the low, low price of $260. Ain't that stupid? So I sent him a picture. Guess what we just bought? I didn't. But I sent her the picture, and I just wanted to get her sweating a little bit. I also sent the picture to my dad, and I said, hey, do you got $260 laying around? And his reply was, if you're serious, I do. No, I'm not serious, Dad. But he loves to dote on his grandkids. Right? He loved to spoil us when he could, when we were younger. And he loves to spoil his grandkids. Right? See, this is how your Heavenly Father looks at you. You come to him with some ridiculous requests. Let's see if we can make that work. Let's see what we can do here. And while the things that we're tempted to ask for, a stupidly priced bat, fancy car, big house, he goes, how about, 
How about something that you can't find anywhere else? How about forgiveness? How about joy? How about peace in your home? Wouldn't that be nice? You have a heavenly father that wants to lavish those types of gifts on you. And there might be a day that the car and the house and that stuff come as well. But he goes, I've got some gifts that I want to give you that you can't find anywhere else. Joy and peace and patience and kindness. And like I said, in Matthew chapter 7, the next verse, and he goes, do you know where you get that from? How you treat each other. He goes, our father? He says, our father. Because we are inclusively a part of his family and he loves to dote on us through each other. Through each other. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He goes, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, as the world becomes a darker and darker place, the way that we combat that It's not by fighting the way that the world fights. It's not by building our own kingdoms. It's by shining brighter. We have to be a people that decides your kingdom come. Your will be done. And when we are tempted between what is God's will and how I want to handle this, because let's be honest, those are frequently two different things. Especially when your kids are getting picked on or somebody's saying something about your family or or things aren't going right at work or you wake up and you haven't had your coffee yet. Maybe it's that simple. How I want to handle the day when I wake up and we're out of coffee is different from how God wants me to handle the day. He says, Jesus goes, look, as you're praying, what's going to reflect the heart of your heavenly father is by praying your kingdom come. Your will be done. Because here's what I've learned. Whenever I'm trying to build my kingdom, actually what the Bible says is that's not even a classification. There's the kingdom of light. But anytime you're trying to build your kingdom, what you're actually doing is you're building the enemy's kingdom. We don't have a say here. We have to choose. And your heavenly father says that any time you begin to build his kingdom, what you don't really understand is it's actually what you're after in the first place. He just puts his name on it. Anytime you try to build his kingdom and you choose kindness over revenge, do you know what you're doing? You're building his kingdom, but you're actually advancing your own self. It's beneficial to you. Anytime you choose forgiveness over resentment, and we're going to talk about this more in a second, what you do is you let go of pain that isn't hurting hurting the person that hurt you anymore. It's only hurting you now. He says you need to wake up every morning and you need to pray his kingdom, our Heavenly Father's kingdom, our Heavenly Father's will. Because what His will is, it's very similar to your will for your kids. I want you to grow up and be the best that you can. 
I want you to grow up and be a functional adult. I want you to grow up and be able to bless the people that you're around. Because his kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done. There's a passage at the end of the book of Judges that says this. In those days, Israel had no king. Doesn't that sound? Everybody wants to be their own boss. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That doesn't sound like today. I don't know very many other passages that do. And because of that, they kept getting themselves into trouble. It's not your kingdom. It's a, that's a great lie. Do what makes you feel good. Life's short. Do what makes you happy. We don't have kingdoms. Jesus says choose. And choose the one of the, of the heavenly father that loves you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He goes, it's okay to ask your heavenly Father for what you need. Ask him for what you want. Ask him for what you need. The problem with this is, is that most of us already have more than we need. Right? In my house, I've, and, and I'm not everybody, I get that. I've never gone into the kitchen and want for food. There's always been more stuff that's there, and, and, and it's not always what I want to eat. But I've always had enough. When I joke about being broke, 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 college broke, you know, 20 years ago, we, always, there was, we, we would go and we would buy out the ramen noodles at Walmart. We would leave with, like, cases of them. We always had plenty of food. Always had more than enough. It's hard for us to understand what Jesus is saying here. Give us this day our daily bread. Because most of us have always have always also had tomorrow's bread and Tuesday's bread and Wednesday's bread, and you can push that out for months. But Jesus is trying to get them to understand that their Heavenly Father wants them to live in such a way that their relationship is dependence on Him. We don't have to be dependent on anybody. But he wants them to know the joy of having a father, a heavenly father, that loves them, that wants the best for them, that's always going to come through for them. Always going to come through for them. He wants them... Let me say this. I think this is why whenever Jesus was teaching and preaching on one occasion and some children were trying to come up to him and the disciples, the rest of his followers, were going, get the kids away from him. He's doing way too important things to be dealing with children right now. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. See, here's what you don't understand. I want the kids to come to me because I want you to see a visual representation of kids looking to their parents and model how you look at your Heavenly Father after the, how the kids look at their parents. Kids don't worry about anything. They know they're going to be taken care of. They know they are. And you know you're going to take care of them. You try to alleviate them from ever having to feel like they're not going to have what they want. And that's how your heavenly father loves you. 
He wants you on the receiving end of that. But we worry and worry and fret. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's come through me, come through for me for 40 years. I don't know if he's going to tomorrow. It's silly. Jesus says, look, pray. Father, give me today what I need. You know what he doesn't say? Give me today just what I want. Because sometimes they're different. And forgive us our debts. As we as all, have we, hmm, I can't talk this morning. I told you, things aren't working right in here. Not up here, but down here. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So he talked about this a little bit a minute ago. But he goes, look, as you pray and as you begin to understand the heart of God, he goes, it is perfectly fine, acceptable, warranted for you to ask your Heavenly Father to forgive you because you're going to be somebody who forgives other people. Holding on to bitterness and rage and resentment, it only hurts you. Jesus says, learn to let that stuff go. (coughs) It only hurts you and the new people you're around. When you hold on to bitterness and anger and resentment and rage and malice, you're never going to hurt the person who did that to you. But you are going to cause harm to your new circle, your kids, your spouse, your neighbors, your coworkers. It's never going to hit that guy that did it. And I don't know what it was, but it's never going to hit that guy that did it. But you carrying it is going to hit everybody that you're around now. He says, forgive your debtors. Excuse me. He says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. See, Jesus assumes that you're going to forgive as your heavenly father forgave you. He assumes that. And he says, ask your heavenly father forgiveness because I don't know if you're like me in this. I have trouble feeling forgiveness when I've hurt people. And so he says, ask. Because you need to fulfill forgiveness as you make mistakes. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 13. But deliver us from evil. From the evil one. He says, your heavenly father, he wants to be your eyes and ears. Jesus says, ask your heavenly father to help you avoid temptation and to help you find deliverance from evil. Whether it's the evil one, whether it's the evil that you're holding on to inside, your pet sin that you don't want to let go of. 
Because your Heavenly Father wants to help guide you around some of this. But it, for that to happen, it takes a little bit of self-awareness on our part. We have to develop an attitude against sin. We've got to stop playing around with it. We've got to stop using excuses like, nobody's perfect. We've got to stop not using excuses like, it's not that big of a deal. We've got to choose to trust the scriptures and what Jesus said when he says things like, forgive. We've got to choose to trust Jesus when he says things like, learn to live at peace with all people. I don't want to live at peace with all people. I want to punch the guy in the face. Do you know? He says, that's what he's saying. He says, when you are filling that conflict we talked about earlier to where you go, my kingdom or God's kingdom, he says, you should pray. Help me avoid the temptation. Help get me where you want me to go. Open my eyes to the wisdom of trusting your path. Because here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God's faithful. He will not be tempted, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He's going to provide a way out. I read a story this week, as we're closing, I read a story this week. There was this family, uh, just happened recently, there was this family that, that, that runs marathons, and so they're a weird family. I don't know, I don't get that at all. And, and they had uh, a, a couple of kids, and the youngest one was six, and he asked to be included in the marathon. So the kid's super weird, right? Because what kid wants to do that? And so uh, the parents, okay, we'll, we'll start training for it and we'll start running. And, 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 and so, so um, um, you know, he builds up some endurance. And on the day that the race comes, they ask him, are you sure that you want to do this? And this is all through the article, so it's, I don't know if I have to say allegedly or not. But it's all, it, it, and, and the kid wants to. And so they start out, the gun goes off, and they take off on the race. And the, uh, one of the parents stays with the kid. The other parent and the, the older kids run the race. And at a mile to go, the rest of the family stops. And they wait over an hour for the parent and the, the six-year-old to catch up. They're all going to finish together, which is also crazy because I used to run, not that far, but I used to run races. And after a three-mile race or a five-mile race, I know what begins to happen to your body. It begins to lock up and shut down. And so I can't even imagine running 25 miles, stopping for an hour, and then trying to run one more mile. It's insane. But they do, and they, they wait for over an hour for the, the other parent and the kid to show up, and then they finish the race together. And the family's all like, yeah, this is amazing that we get to do this together. And, with, and, so, and, 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 and then the, the, uh, shortly afterwards, somebody who runs marathons for a living called Child Protective Services on that family. Ain't that weird? She called Child Protective Services because she goes, it's child abuse to have a, a six-year-old run marathons. What she said was, she goes, a six-year-old has no idea about embracing misery. A six-year-old has no idea about embracing pain and pushing through. A six-year-old has no idea how to, uh, when your body gets damaged and to, to, to fight anyway. And I thought, she is projecting something that happened to her in the past. Because don't you, 
Whenever you ever have that experience where somebody's telling you about how bad their life is or something that happened to them, you want to chime in and go, yeah, I know that happened to you. That sucks. But here's what happened to me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said. But here's what happened to me. Don't you try to one up their pain? You ever do that? There's something in us that believes what happens to us is worse than has happened to anybody else and nobody understands what we're going through. And Jesus says, not true. Just not true. He goes, there's nothing that you've experienced, no pain, no bitterness, no temptation, no evil that's happened to you that hasn't happened to somebody else. No temptation has seized you except what's common to man. Your God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He goes, he's acknowledging there's some stuff that's happened to you. And if you talk with your heavenly father about it, he will help guide you around it. If he can't guide you around it, he will help provide a way out of it. But what you need to know is that thing that you're holding on to, you can let go of it. And that's what makes the Lord's Prayer so powerful. You don't have to pray the exact words, but he goes, here is a model that if you pray like this, your heart will change. You will become more like your Heavenly Father. And your Heavenly Father will help get you where you really want to be, maybe not how you feel in the moment, but where you really want to be in, in the long term of your life. But you've got to stop and ask. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, help us to see the wisdom of these words. At my worst moments, I want to build Chris's kingdom. I want to fight. I don't want to bless people. And my better moments, I'm right there. Help us to see the words of John the Baptist. I think it's John 3.30 that says he must become more and I must become less. Help us that when we are tempted, when we want to fight to go our own way, to stop, to say a prayer that honors our Heavenly Father, this prayer if we have to, and allow our hearts to become more like His. Because He wants us, because you want us to see ourselves and to see every person that we come in contact with just like you do. And that's so hard, God. So give us the wisdom. Give us the courage to trust you. Give us the confidence to know that we're in. We're a part of your family. And that you want us to become more and more just like Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.